Well, hello everybody. This is Hal. And this is Melanie. And we want to welcome you to another episode of Making Biblical Family Life Practical. We are still broadcasting from Alaska, and mm-hmm. we are part of the 30% Club. Uh, you know, and, and I'm so glad. We, this is our first trip up here, and we heard the first day or two we were here, wow, you know, Denali is really a sight, but only 30% of people actually get to see it because the cloud cover and everything often blocks the view of the mountain. You know the highway? The highway that we rode up here mm-hmm. only gets within like 35 miles of the peak. Wow. You can't, I mean, you really don't drive up on it. Anyway, we've seen it on three separate days. Yeah. We saw it on three separate days from three different locations mm-hmm. and very, very different each time. And we saw it We saw it at sunset the other day when we were driving back from Fairbanks down to, we're staying in a cabin down uh, halfway between Fairbanks and Anchorage. And we were coming through Cantwell right at sunset and said, my word, that looks like the mountain. And it certainly was. It, really, that was about the clearest view we got the whole time. It was amazing. It was, it was am- backlit by the sunset. And, you know, we stopped and we took pictures and everything. By the way, sunset was at 10.30 p.m. Yeah, it's wow. still not entirely dark after 11. It's really weird. Wow. But, yeah, we saw it We saw it from the... From the northeast side on that part of the... And then the next day, from where we are right now, we saw it from the southeast side during the daylight hours. And it was gorgeous in a different way, from a different angle. You know, what... You mentioned uh, talking about family culture, Helen. What I'd like to talk about this this evening as we broadcast this mm-hmm. is... We were at a conference just recently, and a family came up. They'd been talking to our friend Sonia Schaefer at Simply Charlotte Mason. Mm-hmm. And they came up with a kind of funny question. They said, we're having a problem because our little preschool boy, you know, Charlotte, Charlotte, Mason, um, Charlotte Mason's idea is to talk about developing good habits. Okay. And so they asked this question to Sonia, and Sonia sent them over to us. Thank you, Sonia. And they said... Um, our son has developed a habit of potty mouth. Uh-huh. And they said, he thinks it's hilarious. He's using it all the time. And they said, I just, how do we deal with this? Mm-hmm. And I, I gave him some practical ideas, but one thing that we talked about that I thought could probably stand a wider audience is the idea of developing family culture. Because, you know, that stuff is really hard in the microcosm, dealing with the situation right in front of you today. Right. But I realized it was a lot harder with our older kids than it was with our younger kids. And I think that's because we developed a family culture of expectations, how how youngs behave. Yeah. The kind of things we do and don't do that influence the younger children without us even having to say a lot about it. Then well, just today, yes. I saw someone asking one of my mom's groups, mm-hmm. they had the opposite problem. Mm-hmm. They had had some struggles with legalism right. and bad relationships with their older kids, and now their older kids as adults were criticizing them to the younger kids, and that toxic family culture from years ago was, a, was now affecting the younger kids in bad ways. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, let's talk about... How do you develop a healthy family culture? You know, what the benefits of that are and how it impacts the rest of the family 
so that you don't end up with a bad family culture influencing the younger kids. Well, you know, there's an old proverb, that, if I remember correctly, it says something like, the way the twig is bent is the way the tree will incline. That, mm-hmm. that the, the things which you inculcate in your children when they're young are going to have a lasting effect on their character, for good or for ill. And, and I'll, you know, when you, when you talk about that, too, I think about, you remember our little cat? Remember mm-hmm. Ben? We had, a, we had a cat when, actually, you had a cat before we were married, and it became our first pet together. And that cat was not very patient with uh, getting her <laughs> nails clipped. This was one that we, we just gave that one to the vet. I mean, she was not compliant. But <laughs> to when, put it mildly. But when we got a kitten... It didn't help that she was the size of a small, wild animal. She I mean, was like a she was big cat. A zoo-sized cat. But then when we got a kitten... You know, I thought, well, this is a little tiny thing, I wonder. And so I started clipping his nails when he was just a little bitty kitten. He never gave me any trouble about it. And this is a little tomcat. He never gave me any trouble because he, he, from his earliest days, he just remembered occasionally the big guy will grab me and he'll clip my nails and it's not going to hurt and it's going to be okay and then I can go about my business. And so it, I thought it was really a good lesson because there's a lot of things that if we if we teach our kids when they're very young, then they won't push back as badly when they're older because that's just the way it's always been. Well, you know, even something as simple as having internet accountability, mm-hmm. the families that we've seen that introduced that very early before their kids even got internet access have had a lot fewer problems with their kids being resistant to it than those that introduced it for the first time when their child was 17 and had had internet access for some time. Which is not to say don't do it if you have older kids. Exactly. If you you need it, you need it, and sometimes that's part of the cost of coming late. But starting it early is so much easier if you have the opportunity. Can can I say this, though? Yeah. Because there are probably people listening that are feeling discouraged right now. Mm -hmm. Maybe they didn't know the Lord when they first started having children. Right. Or maybe they were involved in a legalistic controlling church and they made mistakes in the way they handled it. Mm-hmm. Don't despair because you know, we serve the God who restores the years the locusts have eaten. And yes. he, the Lord is able to restore these things. From the, from the time we realize we should be doing something differently, we need to lay that at the Lord's, lay it at the foot of the cross yeah. and do what we know to, to be right and trust the Lord to take care of the consequences. And so don't mm-hmm. despair if you're thinking, Wow, well, we've just de- developed the wrong family culture. It's too late. It's not. The Lord, no. the Lord is good and merciful to us. But mm-hmm. start right now. And so what, yes, what, what do we mean by a healthy family culture? Well, I think, I think a culture built on kindness. Yes. On kindness and respect for one another. Not just, not just respect of child for parent, but for each family member respecting one another's feelings and their selves and uh, their own dignity. Yes. You know, I think all of those things, you know, I've, I've, we all know families that you, you walk into the household and you can feel the tension. Yeah. You know, you can see the, the, I mean, you can hear the sniping, you can hear the disrespect of the husband for the wife, the wife for the husband, the children for the parents, the children for each other. And you just think, this is not healthy. This is not pleasant. This is not peaceable at all. But, you know, when I think when you lay the foundation that okay, we are we are not going to be unkind, we are not going to be rude to one another, 
We're not going to use harsh and abusive language to one another. And the parents don't don't speak that way to the children, and the children don't speak that way to each other. You know, and, I think and the that's, parents don't speak to each other that way. Right. I mean, I, I think valuing relationship uh-huh. above being funny or getting our own way or venting our spleen, you know, putting the relationship as a priority is one thing. And, and, and since you mentioned that, you know, I, I appreciate humor and I like joking around and oh, I'm, yeah, I'm sure. a terrible troll. I admit that. Okay? That's the truth. He is, but, he is a great ape troll. So, I mean, it's somebody listening to this may be thinking, well, you're just taking all the joy out of life. no. It's choosing how to express that humor. Well, you can even tease each other as long as you have a way to stop it. That's the thing. You know, just like our fighter pilot rule that we've talked about before on this show, you know, if somebody says, please don't call me that, or no, or stop it, then you stop. Well, if you just, if you, if you just have it as your baseline that you're going to be kind to one another. Yes. Then you know that there's a point where joking becomes unkind. Yeah. And, and you you draw your own lines there. You stay. You stay back from that line. So, yeah. I and and I think too when you're dealing when you're dealing with younger kids, it's easy sometimes to um, to laugh at something. It, it's cute when it's a two year old doing it. That's not cute when it's a six or seven year old. Right. You know. And you you send the wrong message. There's a reason sometimes where. The little child will throw a tantrum about something, and parents will have to like step out of the room because they really want to so laugh. It's funny. They, yes. you know, it's so funny to see that that big emotion in that little per, little person. But you don't want to encourage it. Right. You don't want to encourage that, so that when they are four or five or eight or twelve, they're still throwing a tantrum, and and it's no longer funny. But that's what that's what they have learned. Well, yeah, I think it, it would pay to sit down and think about what kind of habits we want to have in, in our house. Mm-hmm. And habits of discipleship, too. Right. That we're going we're gonna to spend time worshiping the Lord together as a family, mm-hmm. that everyone is expected to go to church, that mm-hmm. we make an effort to worship with God's people. Mm-hmm. That when you do those things from the very beginning, like our children have always been with us in the church service. We, we're right. not fans of, of kids doing separate things during church. And during the, the main worship service. Right. And our kids have never known anything else and have never questioned it. That, you know, they just expect <laughs> it. Mm-hmm. And they've gotten so much out of it. And so I think just developing those habits of, you know, this is what we want to do as a family. Mm-hmm. And, and it kind of, you know, it persists. That's the cool thing about it is that after a while, it becomes just what's expected in the family. And so the older kids will tell the younger kids, ooh, better not say that. Mom and dad wouldn't like that. Now, sometimes, of course, it runs rampant. We have a couple of kids who invented rules for the younger kids. <laughs> yeah. And decided that, oh, no, Mom and Dad wouldn't like for you to watch that when they were at their grandparents or something. You have to watch out for those um, petty tyrants. <laughs> well, and even if you are not, if you are not legalistic yourself, if you have a, a proper understanding of the gospel and the freedom that we have in Christ, still it's very easy for a young child to slip into a legalistic mind frame because they tend to be very black and white in their thinking. Yes. And sometimes they're they're not really good at drawing analogies and principles out. So they just 
they'll they'll tag on to something like, you know, I remember when I was a child, I was over at a, a friend's house and he offered me um he offered me a bottle of root beer and I was horrified because we didn't drink beer in our house growing up and I thought he was like he's gonna get me like drinking beer and that's terrible no it's just I didn't have the experience to understand what it was yes. and and so you know our little kids can sometimes do the same thing but. You know, establishing a culture, like you said, it can become a self-perpetuating thing, and that actually can be a big benefit. That can be a great help. Well, it really can be. I was thinking about the impact that our younger kids have had in seeing. Well, like one of them was, Hmm. I I recently offered to help one of of our college students financially. Uh And he said, no, I, I don't want help. And I said, but son, I know you're struggling. And he said... I saw my older brothers work hard and make their way through college without debt, and I'll do the same thing, thank you. And he didn't mean it unkindly, but he was just, he, he had seen their example, and he wanted to follow their example. Now, I had to explain to him, they got more financial aid than he did. Please yeah. let me help you. But, right. uh, you know, the younger kids are watching the older kids, and that can be a real motivation mm-hmm. to the older kids when you, when you can explain to them and show them, you know what? Mm-hmm. Those little kids are imitating you. They want to be like you. You need to be the kind of big brother or big sister that God would have you to be. That is, that's an important thing to, yeah, to, you know, when you're dealing with your older kids, to point out to them that younger siblings are watching. They may not make a big deal about it, but they are watching, they're observing, they're drawing conclusions. And there's some things... You know, we've had this conversation with some of our college-age guys when they've come back home from school and say, you know what, you're an adult, you have an independent life when you're away at college, and there are certain things that as an adult, you are free to do these, but we really don't want them brought into the household for your younger siblings to consider because it would be inappropriate for them. <laughs> okay, Hal, you're, you're causing all kinds of speculation. Oh, okay. Just like... Maybe they're watching movies or reading books that younger children that are fine for them, Precisely. but not be great for the younger children. Precisely, or some and of so, the some of the joking that goes on around the dormitory may not be appropriate around the dinner table. Yeah, and and so that's that's what I mean. Just to say, hey, you know, this is the culture that we're trying to keep in our household for the benefit of everybody. And you know, having that family culture, I, I just didn't realize it when we were having. All those struggles when our oldest kids were young, help it, trying to get them to understand how to behave and how mm-hmm. to act. And I didn't realize that it was going to be easier with younger children, even though we have some pretty hard-headed younger children. Mm-hmm. But still, that the weight of all these other people who are doing what they're supposed to do is pretty strong. You know, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, James Dobson wrote a bestseller back in the woo, 80s or 70s even, called the, the strong-willed child, and it was like, they come in any other way? That was, <laughs> right. uh, I haven't seen it. So Certainly not in our household. Yeah. So, so um, anyway, don't despair. Right. The right. efforts that you're making and the work that you're doing to build a relationship with your kids and among your kids and to disciple your kids mm-hmm. will pay off. It's good stuff. It's going to be a benefit to them. And that's true of so many things that are going on. You know, if you've just got... If you only have younger kids, that is a challenging time. It really Don't is. Don't let anybody downplay that. The fact is, it is a demanding, a challenging time. And as somebody said, there's a reason that young people have 
little children. Yeah. You know, because when you are much older, maybe you've got a well-established culture that makes it easier to have that eighth child than it was to have the third one. It sure was. And so, uh, yeah. So that that's something to, to take heart and don't... Um, don't penalize yourself if you say, man, this is tough and I'm always tired and I feel, I feel overwhelmed. Yep. It's that's going to get that's, better. Yeah. It, it, it gets better. It gets better. So, all right. All right. So as we have mentioned recently, we are going to be speaking at homeschool conferences in Florida and Virginia and Oregon in the coming weeks. And, and we would love to see you there. We'd love to meet podcast listeners. So come up, introduce yourselves. We want mm-hmm. to meet you. Absolutely. If you want to leave us a message, get in touch with us, use our listener response line. It's at 919-295-0321. Leave us a message there, and we can either answer you directly or on a future episode. And when you, um, if you want to find out where we're speaking and you want mm-hmm. to come see us at a conference, mm-hmm. go to RaisingRealMen.com and click events, and you'll be able to see our calendar. Also, a couple of topics you touched on here we have talked about in some length in other episodes. I will try to put some links in the show notes. Okay. So if you just go out to the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network, look at the show page, that there will be links to episodes where we talk about potty mouth and we talk about kindness in the family and some other things we talked about. All right. Okay. So look, until next time, we appreciate you joining us. My name is Hal. I'm Melanie. And uh, may God bless you for listening. Bye, y'all. You've been listening to Making Biblical Family Life Practical with Hal and Melanie Young. If you found this program interesting, challenging, and encouraging, why not join us on the web at halandmelanie.com. That's H-A-L-A-N-D-M-E-L-A-N-I-E.com. Or follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook slash Hal and Melanie or Facebook.com slash Raising Real Men. This program is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Join us next week when we'll be back to talk about making biblical family life practical. Until then, thank you and God bless you for listening.